welcome to The Trials, the system playtest podcast from the RPG Academy. These are the podcasts where we play a game that we've not played before, record it for an actual play, and then discuss in a recap session our thoughts and feelings about that game. This is our first official The Trials of the Dungeon World game. So we had the privilege of having Jessa from the YouTube channel, the Jessa channel, run myself, Caleb, Matt, and Scott, who you should know from our Secrets, Lies, and the Undead actual play series, through a session of Dungeon World. None of us had played Dungeon World prior, but we were somewhat familiar with it through other podcasts and actual plays and doing some research, but we've never actually played it before. So there was a lot of uh, rules covering and introductory stuff. Now these episodes are currently available on YouTube. It's the only thing that we've posted on our YouTube channel so far, which is also the RPG Academy. Uh, But I went ahead and wanted to do a podcast version as well. And what I found was that there was a lot that I had to cut out or felt like I needed to cut out because it was a very visual part of the game. We were using Roll20, there were maps and tokens and just some, uh, some of the conversation that we had revolved a lot around what we could see on screen. So I cut out pretty much most of that and the, the, the podcast version will be much shorter in total, I think, than what the YouTube version would be and that one was already edited. I do encourage you to check out the YouTube portion because there was a lot of chat going on between the players and myself and Jessa and I think there was some really funny stuff that was said in chat but didn't quite make the audio, but that's just me. But anyway, we this is the first episode of our Trial of Dungeon World, episode number one, What Do You Do? So in this episode, we're going to meet the PCs that we will be playing. We do the Story Starter, which is actually a Jessa thing. It's not specific to Dungeon World. And then we learn what the most important question in Dungeon World is. So here is the Trial of Dungeon World, episode number one, What Do You Do? Close enough. <laughs> that was miserable failure, but whatever. <laughs> I don't know what's going to count. Welcome to the table. This is Dungeon World. I am your GM. My name is Jessa. And I will be teaching you Dungeon World today. The main aspects of Dungeon World to remember are that dungeon, is that Dungeon World is a conversation, basically, between the GM and the players. We create the world together. The first step that we're going to do in Dungeon World, as we're going to talk quickly about character creation so that new people know how to do it. We've already created our characters, but with Dungeon World, you can get uh, character sheets at dungeon-world.com, and there are the basic classes, wizard, thief, ranger, paladin, fighter, druid, cleric, and bard. Today, we have four players at the table. Connor, who is playing a cleric. Connor, say hi. Hello. And Mal Theron, who's playing a wizard. Hello. And Rowan, who is playing a fighter. Hello. And I actually am saying your names. I should be saying your, your names as well, too. These are the character names. And Yellowmane, who's playing a druid. Hello, I am a druid. And that's Scott, Caleb, Michael, and Matthew. And you guys, knowing, you know, your viewers already know you, but these are the players that we have at the table. Dungeon World is all about moves, and the story that you're telling triggers different moves. 
the players have tokens on the table, which you guys can see. And when I click on a token, you can see all the moves that come up in Dungeon World for each person. They're called basic moves. The basic moves are Hack and Slash, Volley, Defend, Parlay, Defy Danger, Spout Lore, Discern Realities, and Aid or Interfere. There are advanced moves as well, too, called special moves. Those are, for example, Last Breath, <laughs> which is for if you are dying, Encumbrance, Make Camp, Take Watch, Supply, Bolster, Recruit, Carouse, Recover, Undertake a Perilous Journey. I have some epic music going on in the background because we are going to be starting out Dungeon World with a special little bit of my own. This is actually not part of Dungeon World. You can use the idea for yourself if you'd like to, but it's what I call my story starter. And it will determine where we are and why we're there and what trouble we're in and how hopefully maybe if we're going to get out of it. <laughs> Probably not, but we're going to try. <laughs> and the story starter, it begins simply with you are at the entrance to. Where are you guys? Put on your imagination caps and let's start throwing out some ideas. I'm seeing like a vast desert with uh, very little habitation or um, places places of safety within it. A recently yeah. made desert where the, the sand has been turned in places to glass and there are giant glass pyres created by magical energies. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. With giant glass pyres. Okay, so we are in a vast desert with giant glass pyres. And let's call this... We are at entrance to... So we are about to enter some place in that, in that, in that. Are we about to enter one of these gas, glass pyres? Are they livable? Had habitate? Can people live in them? <laughs> I think that was a Looney Tunes bit right there. <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> I think I just tripped over my tongue. <laughs> so yeah, we are going to enter a place in this de desert, or are we standing on the edge of the desert? Edge of the desert. Edge of the desert. Okay. So let's say that there are several of these pyres, and they're all different colors. So there's like a blue one, a yellow one, a green one. And uh, we are questing toward one of them, but we can figure out why yet. We've been given so. a specific RGB value for the one we need to find. <laughs> yes. I think we need to rescue somebody. And uh, our intelligence showed them, showed us, being the intrepid adventurers that we are, uh, that the, our, the person we have to rescue is somehow in, around, or under we, one we, of the pyres. We, we uh, 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 made stride on this person and saw them sort enclosed in a uh, violet-colored glass object. And this ah. is the logical place to look for them in that saying, Hayes. That's, that's oh, exactly that's right. cool. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that. This is what always <laughs> happens. It just happened. The story starter gets the imagination going, and then the story just starts coming out of that. So we have journeyed here to, and you guys have already kind of come up with that. We've come to rescue someone encased in a glass pyre. Who is that person? Princess? Uh, <laughs> your princess is in another that, spire? It's the easy answer. It is the easy <laughs> answer, and that's why we're not going to do it. Oh. Yeah. Why not a goddess? All right. That's kind of like a princess on high. <laughs> yeah. What about someone who is definitely not a goddess, but is revered as a goddess by the reptilian people who were trying to befriend? Ooh, the reptilian people. Oh, I like that. 
So sure. she, you guys have maybe been hired by the reptilian people to save their goddess. Sounds good. Or, or what okay. if we were, tr- what if we were trying to establish trade with the reptilian people, and when we found out that their goddess, quote unquote, had been kidnapped, we said we will, as a gesture of goodwill, go rescue her for you. So this is kind of like a. Okay, two questions to think about, gentlemen. One is, a goddess would have to be, somebody really powerful would have to be, like, she doesn't just, oops, fall into a glass pyre and get encased, you know, and she's got magical, amazing powers. So whoever got stuck her in there has to be somebody more powerful than she. But she's not actually that powerful. It's like a con. She's just this, basically, almost maybe a bard that's just tricked these people and they've been worshiping her for years. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to, that's it. Yep. <laughs> and she actually owes money, which is why we're coming after her. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she owes me $17. All right, okay. Okay, so um, names, please. What is the name of our goddess bard? Mathilda. Who owes us money. Okay, um, now, the, the, the sketchy character who sent us on this would probably just be Athilda herself because she owes us money. But would there be anyone else who would have let us know that Athilda got stuck in here? How do we find that out? Well, the, the, the ultimate start of this, of, of our desire, one, to open trade relations with this community, and two, to collect mm-hmm. on our debt, was the unseemly guild master of whatever guild we've been currently working for for the last little while. I would say so, the main... you guys, so now you guys have your connection. Your guild ma- are you guild mates, or are you just hired members by the guild? But I imagine you guys would be part of the guild, too. Yeah, I'm for being guild mates. I think that's good. Okay. Pledging. Is it oh, a timber okay. guild? What kind of guild is it? it? This is pledge week. <laughs> it's rush week. That's right. If we get in, we have to, this mission gets us in. All right. It's rush week, and you guys are pledging to get into the guild. And if you can bring her back alive, because she not only owes you money, she owes the guild money, and she has to pay. And the reason why she is able, she, she hid away from the guild by pretending to be the goddess. Uh, to these, uh, to this race here. All right. So that brings up. Re- now that now that we are here at the edge of the desert, ready to save Elfilda, the fake goddess, otherwise known as Miss Shifty Eyes, our luck has turned sour, though, because why is our luck turned sour? Why can't we just walk over and free her up from this? You know, perhaps there are sandworms. I, I think because we're, we're standing on the edge of this vast desert, and we see a number of these pyres, and absolutely none of them are this purple-violet chartreuse color that we had our, our scryer report. And so either she's buried much further in the desert, or she's in another desert, much as Mario's princess always was. Or perhaps that the pyres interact with the light, and they change colors. <gasps> oh! So we don't know which one she's at what time. Oh, that's awesome. The pyres change colors. Now, that's an actual obstacle, but I'd like you guys to also come up with something that is going... I mean, the pyres are changing colors. But let's also come up with um, a threat of something that... A reason why you can't just still just walk into this desert. What dangers are in this desert? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that sandworm vote. I was going to say, Caleb wants the worm. I do, <laughs> for so many reasons. But but I'm going to say that the sandworms are actually made of sand. Oh, cool. Okay. That worked out in Spider-Man 3. Thanks. So, Thanks. 
Another question is, how did she get across the desert without being hurt by the sandworms? She's very charming. Fable negotiator. Do the sandworms only wake up at certain times, or are they... Did they? Did she somehow bewitch, betwixt them with music? Does music calm them? Sure. Well, she is a bard, so that would make sense. That's right. Maybe we. Maybe she had some sort of special device that let her uh, mute or diffuse uh, the impact she made on the sand, so they wouldn't figure out where she was. And maybe that's how she got to be the goddess. Is because the the people, you know, who she claimed, you know, they are not stupid. They they would need some real proof that she had goddess power. The reptilian people were overwhelmed by her capacity to traverse the sandworm-infested glass desert. All right. That is our why our luck has turned sour. And that's a real problem because the sandworms will eat you. That's pretty easy to... to, um, to uh, well, let's say devour because they don't just eat. They go to town. So, to make matters worse, gentlemen, there are signs of an approaching threat beyond the sandworms. You guys haven't seen sign of the sandworms yet. You know they exist, but you haven't seen them yet. But as you turn, ready to cross the desert, and look over your shoulder behind you, or to your left or your right, you see what is the approaching threat coming at you. Something that you really want to get away from right now. Tyrannosaurus. We're going with the... The, well, with the sand glass desert, maybe it's a sandstorm, but it's got glass Ooh, in it, so it basically will rip us to shreds. Oh, that's good. That's good. The Hadoop. Thank you for speaking first, because I almost threw Sharknado out there. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm back. Sharknado. Sharknado. Spoilers, guys. We're in Michael's New World. <laughs> it's a Tersharctopus. Nado. No! There's one more reason, gentlemen, why we cannot turn back. Why you can't just say, screw it, I don't know, I'll give up my 18 gold and let her have it and just walk back. Has it, could it be, I mean, besides the fact that you wouldn't get into the guild, but that's not really, a, I mean, you know, that's okay. But there may be another reason, perhaps the guild master might send uh, people after you, perhaps a sinkhole just opened up behind you, perhaps. Well, the reptilians were going to eat us. And it was only after we agreed to do this that they said, okay, so if we don't rescue her, they're going to kill us. <laughs> and last question. What is the name of the reptilian race? Do you have a name for them? And bonus points if someone could put a picture of them into chat. Go to Google Images, find an appropriate picture, and I'll put it on the screen. They're the reptites. The reptites. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I'm going to say that the reptites are an ancient race. Very. We couldn't have just called them the old ones. The old ones. Sometimes they call that they call them the reptites, or the old ones. All right. Exercise. Our imaginations have been exercised now, and you guys should now see a story starter. I'm going to read it to the audience. You are at the entrance to the edge of a vast desert, which is located on the desert full of glass and differently colored pyres. You've journeyed here to rescue someone encased in a glass pyre. The goddess, who is really a bard, Elfeta, who owes us money on behalf of the unseemly guildmaster of our guild that we are pledging to get into. Our luck has turned sour, though, because the pyres change colors and the sandworms are biting and there is no music to, to quell them. 
And that's a real, a real problem because without music, the sandworms will devour you. To make matters worse, you have just seen signs of a glass sandstorm approaching. You can't turn back because the reptilian race, <laughs> the old ones, the reptites, would eat you for dinner. So you must push on. Looking at the entrance to this dungeon or this vast vista before you and watching the glass twinkle in and out in different shapes and wondering how you're going to find this woman, you get a feeling that this will not turn out well. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask you the question. As soon as I come up with a quick map, I'm going to ask you the question, the most powerful question in Dungeon World, which is simple. What do you do? This is the, the uh, spire, the pyre where she is or the spire, uh, the glass place where she is, but I will be moving this around the map randomly. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, you guys can head for it, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love jamming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still relatively new at it. I've only been doing it for about a year. So you'll have to pardon all my mistakes. We'll just work it out as we go along. All right. We wouldn't know anyways. We have the Great Desert here, and the gentlemen are on the edge of the desert. We have a map on the screen that you guys can see. This is a map I just grabbed from uh, Google Images, so if you made this map, um, I love you and thank you. Okay, so, <laughs> um, and I've also told the gentleman that uh, this uh, is the spire that we're looking for, but because I'm awfully mean, GM, I'm going to be moving it randomly around the map different times because the spire changes, and we'll have to see if they can catch it. That's half the fun. So, gentlemen, you guys stand on the edge of the desert. The wind is, oh, and also let me change the music really quickly to something more devastating. Are those sandworms I hear? Do they laugh like goblins? <laughs> okay, I, didn't, I couldn't find any sandworm laugh really fast, okay? Well, that's how they sneak. That's how they sneak up on you. You're like, yeah, it's just some goblins. <laughs> I do have. Um, wind is howling. The sand is whipping up. It is morning time. You guys woke up uh, this morning in uh, the uncomfortable guest quarters that the reptilian. Uh, race, the reptites, the old ones had made for you, they did not give you their best quarters because they're irritated with you. They feel like you uh, came in, um, promised to be bards, and did a terrible show. Worst show ever. Even, even with their reptilian ears, they knew they were listening to crap. And they, <laughs> they said, you need, you need to honor us in a better way than this. We have a problem. Our goddess has disappeared into the desert. You look like worthy adventurers. We wish for you to go out into the desert and find our goddess. And you say, you all say, what's in it for us? And they say, you will not become breakfast. That's what's in it for you. You say, that's an excellent point. You head off to the desert. They send one emissary with you to show you the way. But at the edge of the desert, this reptilian emissary with big gold earrings in his ears, or her ears, its ears. Um, it's hard to tell. Uh, refuses. Pick it up, turn it upside down. What'd you say? So I, I pick it up and turn it upside down and look. Uh, <laughs> do, really? Do you really want to do that? 
<laughs> no, not really. Okay, I was gonna. I'll give you a chance oh, to think that over. No, I think you should enforce that rule, GM. He said I was, it. I, I'm thinking if you say <laughs> it, you everybody gets one. I didn't know that. Okay, if we're gonna go that way, all right, all right. <laughs> I'm thinking the new rule should be if you say it, you dealt it. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, but I'll give you one. Each of you one chance to get to get it all out of your system. Maybe two. Yeah, I, I probably need more than that, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> and um, and uh, the reptilian looks at you. Uh, so he looks at you as almost as if he can sense what you're thinking, <laughs> and and back slowly away. And then suddenly his arms fly out, and he says, "I can go no more. This is too dangerous." And then he puts a licks his finger and sticks it up in the air, and then goes, "Oh, oh, a storm approached. But if you are true." adventurers as you look like because you are certainly not bards you will and by the way they sent this emissary with you because he was one of the few reptilians who could speak common your language so but he has a thick thick accent and it's somewhat difficult to understand him but he says this storm of glass this storm of glass this storm of glass and he puts his arms out wide and he says i i must get out of here if you will survive this you are truly worthy of not being our dinner and then he takes off says Adios, gentlemen, or something like that. <laughs> See ya. See ya. <laughs> and he goes running. His tail leaves in the in the sand, leaves a mark as his tail swishes back and forth through the sand as he goes running off. And you see his trail whisper off, and you can hear him whispering. The wind increases, gentlemen, and gets a little bit louder to the to this direction over here. You see over these sort of, I'm going to say that these are dunes or low hills that you guys are looking at here, that we're looking at on the map. Uh, you see uh, sand picking up. But this is not just any sandstorm. It's actually filled with iridescent glass so that it looks sort of like a, a rainbow in sand. It's beautiful and entrancing. But the reptile knows that it's extremely deadly. You guys are standing here facing this, and, and as you look out, Mal Theron, your sharp wizard eyes notice that the tower suddenly blink. A tower appears suddenly in front of you all, a different color than it was before. It's now an iridescent sort of blue color. And that tower um, is gorgeous and beautiful and it whispers to you sort of begging you to come on um, your mouths are dry I hope that you guys have some sort of uh, you have dungeon rations and dungeon world uh, things are simplified but given much more room for creativity you have dungeon ra rations five uses which I am going to say can be water or food and yeah what gentlemen do you do all right, so Malthorn is going to look over at Rowan and go, This is your fault. You're the reason why we're here. Look, I'm not the one who was late applying to pledge last year. Last year's pledge to the guild had a much easier time, and I got my paperwork done. This is about last night's show. You didn't pick up on the changes, and you stayed in B-flat the whole time. I stare at you vacantly. Like, as a fighter, I've no one has ever instructed me what B-flat is, was, or will be. 
I, I, all I can, you, you can tell through some dim, vacant eyes that all I can think about is flattening bees. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> don't know where else I, to go with that. I told you guys we should have brought drums, and you didn't believe me. They would have loved the drums. Well, Connor hired the roadies, so I, all of our equipment's gone. And I still I have a deposit on those. Okay, I'm I'm out seventeen bucks because of her and fifteen on the deposit. <laughs> hey, they look uh, they look to be pretty honest to me. I didn't ask for references. Well, while the uh, other three are bickering about things that are a little bit beyond the fighter's meager intelligence of aid, I'll uh, survey the desert and see if I can see any place that one may be shelter from the haboob, and or two. Uh, maybe shelter from the haboob. That seems like by far the most pressing <laughs> matter. Okay, and who's the haboob? Oh, sorry, the it's 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 another word for sandstorm. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's cool. What's a what's a haboob? It's a very fancy name for sandstorm because it's a rainbow sandstorm. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and it is moving swiftly in your direction. I will continue to move the sandstorm to denote that. And uh, anyway, there's a glass sandstorm, and then suddenly uh, you all feel your feet rumble. Massive uh. rumble underneath your feet. The, the sand starts to churn, and you all go flying in different directions. Uh, the sand uh. rumbles again, and... Um, and the sand uh, rumbles and rages underneath your feet. It's almost as if the ground has lost, you know, any ability for you to stand upright. You're falling, you know, left and right. Rowan, you hit the uh, sand uh, on your face. And uh, Malthrin, you're landing on your back, I suppose. You can describe to me how you're landing. And um, the wind is beginning to pick up. I'm going to continue to make the wind louder. And what do you do, gentlemen? Your characters are now oh. on their backs. Nathan will roll over and pick himself up quickly. I'm going to take part of my robe and cover over my face to try to protect myself from the oncoming sandstorm. And then I'm going to beat feet in the direction of the closest tower. All right. Um, so point to me the direction of the tower that you head to. Uh, I mean, tell me I'm which sure. tower you head to is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. The, yeah. You head straight for this one. Okay. So um, that tower, um, you head running for that tower. Um, I'm going to say that that's, I'm so, this is, I, just, I told them when we weren't re recording that my, my biggest weakness, I think, as a GM is trying to determine distances. But it's a good jog away. You know, it's, help me out with feet. It's so many feet, whatever. Just uh, distances away. in terms of time. Is it a minute away? Ten minutes away? Oh, okay. Let's do it in time. Yeah, it's if you're running a uh, full speed, I'd say it's about three to four minutes away. Now a that's provided distance. you have a ground that's still and isn't moving under your feet. That's really good to know because my plan was to not walk because the sand seems to be shifting, but roll. And if it's going to take him that long to run there, it would take me an hour to roll, which would uh, give the <laughs> sandstorm a lot of time to drown me. Probably not a safe plan. And I, I accidentally like moved to, your tower. Sorry. Uh, I would like to turn into a, a nice domesticated camel and help our uh, my my compatriots get to the closest tower with using my body and my fancy eyelashes which deflect sand and using my mass to keep them 
Uh, <laughs> awesome. So what uh, Matthew is doing uh, as Yellow Mane, the druid, is he is using the move Shapeshifter. So when a new when a character uses a move, I will always take the move and throw it into chat so we can see how the move works, and uh, we can all learn Dungeon World as we go. For the Druid Shapeshifter is this move. For you guys watching, I am using Omnibus.io, which is um, a fantastic sort of Dungeon World database, which has uh, all the moves for all the classes in it, and it allows me to quickly grab the move and throw it into chat for us to see. This is the shapeshifter move. It involves hold. So when you call on the spirits to change your shape, roll plus wisdom. So the way you do that is you roll a 2d6. In Dungeon World, most of the rolls for move, all the rolls for moves are, are 2d6. Um, Matthew, on the bottom, you'll see under on your macro bar, you should see roll 2d6. And um, you can click that. Also, the other way you can do it is you can open up your character sheet. Okay. And you can roll, I think, if you just click the um, roll icon under under uh, wisdom or whatever it is I just said there. I think it's your wisdom. Yes. Yeah. Roll plus your wisdom. Yes. All right. So roll 2d6 plus 2 minus... Oh, I see. You wrote it out. Okay. So you have... Yellow main. That's a 7. So for a 7 and 9, you get 2 hold. Basically what that means, and I'm going to mark that in your token now is, um, so, uh, for your hold, you now have two hold to spin, and that basically means that each time that you, you do something in the shape of your animal, you'll spin one hold. So, you, so you'll say, if you choose to be a camel, you'll say, I choose to save everybody by unleashing my huge camel bladder upon this sandworm's face, and I just, I lift up a camely leg and spin Spray him with all the urine I've got. Now I'll say, perfect, that's been one hold. And when you run out of holds, you automatically change back into your natural shape. I will also use these words a lot. Describe it. So in other games, you say, I do this, and the GM describes what you do. They say, you do this, and this is what happens to you. And I try to avoid doing that and try to let you describe to me what happens and what you do. In other words, how you respond to it. So I'll, I'll say, you say, I lift my leg and pee, and I'll say, describe it. And you say, well, feeling all of my camely might, I lean back with humps ablaze with anger and indignation. I lift a thigh, muscled as it is, girls love a camely thigh, and I let rip with a blah, 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 blah. The more energy you put into describing it, the more likely you are to get an RP point from me, plus the more likely you are to get everybody to laugh at you which is what we like. <laughs> I said me especially. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so um, you can see the move there, and you can kind of read over the move. Now, unfortunately, I will allow it this time, but I will remind you that one of the um, the thing to keep shapeshifters kind of balanced so that it don't become overpowered in the game is that you can only shapeshift yellow mane from a character that is from the world that you came that you chose. The um, You chose the Great Forest, as right. your land to which you are attuned. Mm -hmm. And there are no camels, last I checked, in the Great Forest. So. There was one at the, he went to a petting zoo once, and there was one there. Yeah, if uh, he chose petting zoo as his land, that w I would have allowed that. As a, as a clarification, uh, the, the, one of the, being a human druid, one of the, uh, sub, the things that I get for being a human druid is any domesticated animal 
because uh, humans have such a innate nature with domesticated animals would get I would get to change into its shape for free. So that I thought that a domesticated oh. animal. Oh yes, you do. You're right. You're right. So yes, camels are domesticated. I will allow that. That's awesome. Thank you for for. So what he's referring to to the audience is he's referring to his move that comes under being a human. Um, in Dungeon World, you get a move for your alignments and for your race. And I won't explain. I won't explain too much to slow the game down, but I'll explain enough that you guys can follow along. And the rest of it you can pick up when you get the PDF uh, at dungeon-world.com. Um, they need to pay me money for how much I'm selling there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sage and, and Adam are the authors of Dungeon World, and they owe me ten bucks. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So Yellowmane turns. Uh, uh, no, I'm yeah. Yellowmane, you guys notice a strange change happening in Yellowmane. Yellowmane, describe it. Basically, uh, I'm I'm looking at the sandstorm and I think to myself, camels really don't care about sandstorms, and I just yell to them, guys, get behind me, and I lay out a bellow that would only come from a male camel in heat, <laughs> and I transform into a large, yellow-maned camel. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right. So you guys notice uh, Yellowmane suddenly change slowly his body, elongates, two humps grow out of his back, and he suddenly stands before you as a camel. And he is able, I will, oh, by the way, the other thing that in Dungeon World is when you change into an animal, you get um, a kind of, oh, yeah, here it is. The GM will tell you one or more moves associated with your new form. Spend one hold to make that move. So um, I'm going to give your move is that you are incredibly steady on your feet. So you're, a camel would be used to sandstorms, used to the ground moving and shifting in the desert. So you're able, you can still be knocked over by a giant uh, sand, um, you can hold your, your own better than the other people. So you guys now see yellow mane standing regal, mane flying in the wind, and uh, <laughs> and you also feel the wind picking up as the sandstorm grows bigger and heads in your direction. Rowan, Rowan um, the sandstorm is coming right up towards your back. You are still on the ground, I assume. What, gentlemen, do you do? The one thing Connor would have done right as we were getting up there, he would have scrambled to his feet as fast as possible uh, to rush over to his fallen comrades. Uh, you did mention that Rowan had face-planted. He did. Uh, so Connor, as uh, the healer and the one who is always more concerned with the health of his fellow party members over his own, would have scrambled over to Rowan, um, and uh, he would stand above him, kind of using his shield as a bit of a, an umbrella against the wind uh -huh. uh, to help Rowan get up and make sure he's okay and get uh -huh. over to uh, the super humpy yellow mane. Okay, so you guys are crawling forward, and Yellowmane, your camel senses feel that there is trouble. You guys are making your way towards the um, uh, tower, I imagine, Rowan and Maltharen and Connor. Maltharen and Connor, what are you doing? Well, I'm jumping up on top of Yellowmane and getting the, the cushy spot between the two humps. <laughs> so and you now uh, ride astride a camel. <laughs> yes, I, I put one hand on each of his humps, and I may have I may have lingered there a little too long, and then I <laughs> jumped astride, and I'm waiting for the other two to join me. And by the way, audience, this is what 
Yellow Mane looks like right now, wow. Attractive. Oh, yeah, baby. And, I thought so. Uh, and was, also, you, you notice that he's putting out a very strong scent that, if you didn't know better, you would swear are some serious pheromones. Serious pheromones. And, I mean, all of his camel manliness is hanging between his legs and God knows where else. <laughs> yeah, um, Connor would have made sure to get Rowan up onto uh, Yellowmane first, assuming mm-hmm. he got uh, a little bit bruised from the sand there. It, also, you know, if any uh, sandworms or monsters had come up, he would want to get you to safety first and foremost. Okay. Right as you guys are coming up to the tower, right as you approach the tower, the tower looks like uh, this this sort of glass pyre. You know, you can see uh, an archway uh, at the bottom. Um, its iridescent glass shape is shining in the wind. It's almost blinding. Um, the camel and, and his passengers, you guys are following along behind him. Now, unfortunately, Yellowmane, as most camels, cannot control his need to uh, defecate at random times. Because why the heck not? You're a camel, you can let her rip. And the wind picks up, it comes flying at you, and if you are walking behind the camel, who's walking behind the camel? Weren't we all on the camel? You guys were all on the camel? Okay, no one's walking behind it? If he, oh, if he can carry us all, then yes. Yeah, if it, I can carry them all, great. I was just thinking about using my bulk as a um, shield against the sandstorm so they would walk on my side. And mostly be blocked from the sand by so my hairy hide. So do you guys want to decide whether you're? I think I'll, I'll cling to your disgusting body with, uh, you know, a, a, a tent of cloth over my eyes and face. Okay. All right. So you guys have cloth over your, uh, or you know, some of your armor or whatever over your eyes and face. The storm f- out of nowhere picks up speed and engulfs you all. You are now in a storm. You cannot see more than a, a your hand in front of your face. You cannot see beyond that. If you are were not immediately near the camel, you are now lost. So um, I will leave you to determine. Um, I know that one of you was on the camel. All of you guys were nearby. And you, Matthew, you can still see. Um, your vision is now obscured. Obscured a bit. I'm going to move that cause you can, so we can actually see our tokens. But uh, let me move this actually to my long eyelashes reflect the colorful the colorful pieces of glass and sand. Each if of I you could... guys are getting chewed by glass and sand. It doesn't seem to be affecting our camel friend, but the rest of you are going to need to roll one d4 for damage for glass. This will be a, a really naive rules question. So this is not a, a defying danger roll. This is a just taking danger in the face roll. It, yeah, it's taking danger in the face. I'm determining that, and this is just simply my GM call, because it, you can, because the sandstorm I determined moved very quickly, and is very erratic. Now, once you are in the sandstorm, you can attempt to defy danger by doing something against it, covering your face, climbing under the sand itself, and hiding under the sand, making a pile or something, or, or um. Connor apparently has shielded us from the glass, taking most of the damage. The camel did, and that's why I only had you roll 1d4. Oh, I, so. I was referring to Connor having done so because he rolled a 4 and the rest of us rolled 1s. <laughs> yeah. 
Connor likes their soft cheeks. So I'm sorry. Repeat that again. Uh, Connor um, took got took four damage, and you are saying that that is not fair. No, no, but just the fact that he got a four and the rest of us got ones, the 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 the, the dice are dictating that he took the brunt of the damage uh, for us, so yes, he must yes. be shielding us. He must have yes. jumped in the way of the glass shards. Okay. We could have done that. So Connor is standing forward and he's moving, and you guys have to hold on to Yellowmane's tail or be on top of him to move forward. I will see that you guys are continuing to move forward. The ground is still bucking, but you guys are making slow but steady progress. As you approach the tower, two things happen, gentlemen. The first thing is that the towers suddenly move. And before your eyes, as Yellowmane, you can see farther, and you see this, the tower, it turns, it, it, it becomes, it sort of shimmers and becomes like a liquidy state and just poofs out and poofs back in a different location. It's now over here, this tower over here that I'm moving. There's another tower over here to your left, and there's a glass, clear glass tower in front of you a bit. It's going to take a while to get to it. As you notice these towers change positions, you also see the head of that. Ugh. It peeks out in front of this glass tower that has appeared. And it oh. roars. Its mouth opens, rows of teeth. And even though it's an animal that lives in sand with no water, it has copious amounts of spittle, slime. Isn't it made of sand? It is made of sand, yes. But it is also in a shape so it that has sandy shows you these things. With sand yeah. spittle. Creepy. Yeah, it's like a sand spell. It's not magic, though. It's, it's of the land. So when I'm describing it, it's made of sand, and it's all... Imagine this. It's made of sand, and the sand's all moving around, and blah. But in, un, in within that sand is a defined kind of shape that is sort of superimposed upon the sand. It looks real enough, and but you can get close enough to it and find out if it's real if you want. <laughs> and Tempting. And so see this even through the sandstorm? Yellowmane can see it. It's okay. a pretty large head, yes. So, okay. it, I mean, it's large. So you guys can see it. Uh, Yellowmane can see it. Yellowmane will have to communicate to his... <laughs> with a camel bellow of frustration. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing my colleague for as long as I have, I can tell that this uh, particular bleat of his camely mouth indicates a very specific type of frustration, which is that there's some sort of opponent or deadly presence... <laughs> in the direction we're headed. Absolutely. And it's huge. And it's interesting that it shows up right in front of this tower. It roars and dies towards Yellowmane. What do you guys do? Thanks for attending the RPG Academy and listening to our podcast. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. This podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We will use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out numerous ways. One, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. Also, if you clear your cookies and then visit Amazon or drive through RPG through our portal, we get a kickback from your orders 
and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like an RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com, or you can reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google+. We are there under the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.